Welcome to the GNT Show. All right, welcome everyone to an extra special GNT Show this week. And once again, this is post Magic Round. We didn't get a chance to f- to record this while we were up in Queensland, but once again, I am joined by a man who this week has been described as the MVP of Magic Round. And before you say hello, I'd like to go through a few of your accomplishments over this weekend, G. One, your incredible sense of direction actually meant you ended up on a flight to McDonald Jones Stadium instead of Brisbane to watch the games. <laughs> it was almost getting there, so I'm thinking of um, trying out for the orienteering team in the next few weeks. Two, your catastrophic technology failure, aka Wiley Coyote style, followed you to Magic Round, where you, I can't, I don't know whether it was an excuse or not, where your credit card failed to work and you failed to buy a round of drinks over the entire weekend. Yes, it's strangely working today. Is it? And then when you went to pay for dinner, you ran out of data on your phone. That is not true because dinner eventually got ordered, but it may as well have because I think they forgot the order. And a man who had a straw poll conducted upon him at Rebel in Queen Street Mall about whether he looked like Todd Payton and was overwhelmingly booed out of the Rebel store. Gee. (laughs) I absolutely was not. Um, An incredibly embarrassing moment, but I did did get a couple of confirmations. I don't understand why you would do a survey on yourself. We um, asked a couple of cowboy fans in the lift, and they agreed. And um, so, yeah, it was a bit of um, 50-50. I haven't even gotten to the fact that on on the third day of Magic Round, as we were getting out of our hotel room, you decided on what was 637 degrees outside to wear a Sydney Swans jacket which you didn't even make it to the lift before a couple of para supporters, middle-aged para supporters, mind you, from Denver, absolutely gave it to you. Um, yes. Um, he just said you can't wear that to Magic Round, but considering what I was looking at other people wearing, I don't think it was that bad an outfit, to be quite honest. This is but the stories we can share with our listeners. You were the MVP of Magic Round, my Thank friend. Thank you very much. Thank you. Feel the magic in the air. It's a great. That's that's my Spotify track. It now. is. A, it is a great weekend, um, and I will never ever go away with you again. We were meant to be joined by people who are regularly mentioned on this podcast. Action and cuts. Action has had a catastrophic weekend. He's had a, he's had a few things, including getting caught up. His family getting caught up in COVID when he got back. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, that's right. And cuts. He has got better things to do. So. <laughs> Yes, he does. So, so he does. that's that's kind of where we're at with uh with the intros. How are you, G? This week, have you recovered? I am good. I've recovered. I've never I seen so one so sleep. drunk on mid strength alcohol. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm I'm a cheap date. So if anyone wants to take me out, twenty bucks. A few people tried, G. Need. A few people tried, but you were played very hard to get. And the weirdest thing was, I saw two people from my childhood who I hadn't seen in the corner. Oh, I forgot so about that. God, that was for twenty five years. And then you proceeded over the next four hours of games to tell us you went to school with everybody in the stadium. Yeah, almost. I think it was like that way. Um, and the best thing was um, we found out about the curse of Joey. We um, had a Newcastle fan sit next to us on Friday night and proceed to tell us Newcastle have struggled since Joey Johns left because you're only blessed with a generational player every now and again. And once you get one, the gods decide that you must henceforth be cursed 
for the rest of your existence. His curse didn't last long, injured. though, because he came in a Panthers jersey the next day. The next day, a Sanyo Panthers jersey. So he's had that jersey for quite a long time. So, um, or he's a, or he's a rep years. from Sanyo. I don't... He may as well have been. Um, he sounds like the type of guy that would be selling Sanyo gear, even though they've probably ceased manufacturing. He but was. He was quite a strange guy. He and was a raving he also lunatic, a, yes. He was a raving a, lunatic. The, the raving crazy Dragons fan behind us who forced his fiance from Melbourne to go for the Dragons and didn't allow her to go. Not, not the best move, given the, given the Titans game on the weekend. Honestly, How friendly it's a were great people? weekend. It's a great weekend. People were very friendly. Um, I'll get to the people fights. People generally were pretty good, except for the guy uh, and the guy with the handlebar moustache. Oh, Paramount Eel supporter, the best moustache in the Southern Hemisphere. He also had a Hardy Plank jersey, so I think he's had that moustache. He motivated me to buy one. That jersey. Oh, but honestly, people are really friendly. The city had a good vibe despite the weather. The weather was horrible. Now, gee, you were meant to actually source the bars for us. Do you want to tell our listeners how that went? That didn't go very well, but. To, to be honest, we actually went to Magic Round and bought the games, and by the time we got back, I think well, we were too old to kick liar. on, T. Well, no, I'm not. We were too old to kick on. No. You have continued not. your Inspector Clouseau lifestyle in Brisbane. It is unbelievable. When we, we were too old to kick on anyway, the funny thing was the Fletch and Hindy pub was 100 metres down the Well, it's not the like you were there we 72 hours before us, <laughs> yeah. so you could have sourced it, G. The weird thing was we walked the opposite direction every day and totally missed it. So, but it's, look. You were a catastrophe this weekend. You you were like a localized black hole. Everything you touched. Oh my God, everything you touched went to shit. A scout with no compass. In all honesty, it's a great weekend. If you can get out there, get out there. And Peter Volandi's. What about when we all left? We left, I left to go to work on Monday and you went, you, you, the boys flew out, etc. And then when I caught up with you for a cup of coffee later in the day, you said to me you'd walked around the same block like three times. Yeah, I did. I looked like a stalker. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was, look, it was a great weekend. And if you want to get up there, probably advise you not to watch all the the footy, but it's well worth it. Well, we watched all of it. We watched all of it. We probably only missed the last 20 minutes of the Tigers-Cowboys game because we were exhausted. Yes, but there were some games that I wish I actually missed. Oh, well, speaking of which, shall we start with... No, 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 I'll get to that. (laughs) I'll get to it in a second. It's been a massive week, actually, afterwards. Gee, what news did you follow before Magic Round? I mean, what news can I follow? It's gone... It's blown up. I've just been sort of... um, before Magic Round. Uh, before Magic Round. Yes, I was news. preparing for Magic Round. I was doing the magic tricks in the can backyard. I, can I ask you, ready. Were you pre- did your preparation for Magic Round include anything of, that came in of use for yourself or the rest of us last weekend? Other than my fabulous presence and facilitating magic? No, I don't think so. No, I think that would be fair. All right, shall we start off with the news? Yes, we should. Okay. I have got a long list of news. Oh, before I start, Peter Volandis, leave Magic Round the fuck alone. Have it as isolated. Oh, He's crazy. Anyway, yeah. Yes. All right, DCE came out earlier on in the week um, and said that he actually wants to play in rep teams till 2025. Now, I believe DCE is already 33 or 34 years old. I was going to say, so what? (laughs) He's old. (laughs) What is he, Wayne Bennett? Who does he think he is, Wayne Bennett? (laughs) Oh, God, yes. Wayne Bennett wants to keep coaching into his 90s and DCE wants to keep playing into his 50s. He thinks he's Tom Brady. Yep. 
He does. Billy Slater should say thanks, DC. We'll keep you in mind. Isn't he a bit presumptuous to say I want to get I want to get picked in rep teams till 2025? Overly presumptuous to the point where he's actually made himself available for the next three years, not just next. Well, no, we haven't year, had this year's year after. rep games, so it's actually four years worth of rep games. I'm available for the next four seasons. Okay, thanks, Cherry. <laughs> Do you think he likes being called Cherry? No, but I think with this move, he's moved on to Cherry. Oh Dummy's my god. An answer to a question nobody asked. How long will you continue playing rep footy for? I'm sorry, that's hilarious. That is great. I'm available until 2030. G, how long are you available? How long do you think you'll do this pod? I'm available until 2023. Thank God. I can see light at the end of the tunnel. All right. Now, um, clearly... Oh, there's breaking news. Matt Burden's actually made himself available for New South Wales selection until 2030, just to let you know. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, Matt. Thanks, Matt Burton. This is where someone comes in and tells us Matt Burton's a Queensland. <laughs> it probably will happen. So there was a story leaked during the week that, um, and you know how these things happen, right? They get leaked by the clubs and then the clubs come out and deny the, deny it. Yeah. Yes, they absolutely do. Um, about Luke Keary potentially being moved on because he's on 1.3 million in 2023. Now they've subsequently come out and said that's bullshit. He's only on 850 grand next year. But the my understanding is the salary cap position of the Roosters next year is very, very tight. We've, we, we broke the Angus Crichton news last yep. week. Um, even at 850k, he's actually not playing to that level at the moment. And given they've got Sam Walker and a lot of junior halves in the club, and he's nearly 30 now, Luke Keary, what do you think about this? There's, there's a few rumours emanating from the Roosters, like you say, that seem to be some of their higher-paid players where they're probably... Maybe 80% wondering whether they should keep them with the same money. Uh, like you say, I think they're leaking it out to see how it sits. They're trying to sort of nudge some of their players along or see probably if there's any interest, I think, by leaking that. I think I, that's right. I think that's probably right. I, look, I think he's, he's a year back. He's only a few rounds back or half a season back from a, a catastrophic knee injury. So I probably would wait towards the end of the year. But is he playing like a $1.3 million player? No. If I were the Roosters, I'd be a little bit worried if his form doesn't pick up at the back end of the year. Because he's been okay. Well, Sam Walker was sensational against us. He was magic. Yeah. Sam Walker, he is he, magic. He's around. the only player you follow that actually played well on the weekend. That is correct. I had a horrible weekend at Magic Round. Oh, well, I only tipped three out of eight. If you think you had a bad one, I tipped three out of eight. Um, all the players that I wanted to see, a lot of them had poor games. We will actually, get to your so. Cody Nikarima fandom shortly. Yes, yes. So a couple of serious news, and, and I, I will actually save a lot of the Bulldogs news till later because there is quite a bit of it. We've basically generated a whole year's news in three days. Correct. I just want to cover off a couple of um, news stories. Gangs in fu- junior footy are increasingly becoming an issue. There was a report during the week that New South Wales Police is cancelling matches. Um, they've already cancelled really? two of them in the Penrith District Junior Rugby League. Oh, wow. gang violence and those types of things. So that's really, really interesting. I'm glad they're taking a stand, but all this news kind of makes it... I mean, where does junior footy stand at the moment? This game, if we're not careful, this game's going to die on the vine. Well, you know, you see on social media, sometimes, I mean, look, we're at an age where we're not sort of aware of a lot of this stuff, and you take what's in the mainstream media, I suppose, and a lot of the time that's overblown. But, you know, there was a period... Look, even my kids sort of, through social media, knew who some of these sort of gang gangs are out sort of west they must have some kind of presence or i've heard about them through you know multiple links so it, it kind of is a little bit concerning 
because if you you think about footy is quite a physical game you're out there at junior football and if there's kind of gangs intermingling you know if someone hits someone hard or goes after them after the game i mean this has potential to kind of be quite an explosive situation so um i hope they sort it out because that's not the type of we know it's part of the society unfortunately but you don't want that around kids who are just there trying to you know play Play sport and enjoy themselves Yeah. yeah I think that's right. And parents and younger kids and stuff like that. It's it's not not good, and I hope they can at least keep away from that sort of... Apparently, most of the fights stem from someone promising to buy rounds of drinks and having their credit card bounce. That wouldn't surprise me. It's almost like stealing. It's almost it? exclusively limited to Todd Payton lookalikes. Yes, of course it is. Yes. Todd Payton's got his own gang. Has he? What about those kids following you around looking for an autograph? Blazing Saddles. In Rebel. Yes, John Morris was one of them. John Morris, he, he was, was there. So short. He, yeah, he, he was he, there. He made a quick exit when I did the straw poll survey. You know, I felt like Razor Ramon, remember in the old days in WCW when he used to do the survey? Oh, yeah. One more yeah. for the good guys. That's all I was missing. One more for the good guys at the end of it. All right, let's stay on the fights. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're previewing the boxing. It's unbelievable. Shit. It's unbelievable. It's footy, right? Um, Magic Round. Did you see the viral yep. footage? We saw it. We were at the opposite end of the ground, so we didn't see it live. But there was an absolute stink on. And for those of you wondering, we were in the stadium. We were in the opposite end of the ground, so we didn't see it live. But what I will say is in the entirety of Magic Round across the three days, there was perhaps one steward and four security guards for the whole stadium. So it, it's no wonder that it took them two and a half minutes to get there and break it up because they had to come from Gold Coast. Yeah, well, the only um, steward I I spoke to on the way in on Friday night was a guy who was a Bulldogs fan, ironically, and was really excited before the game kicked off. So that must have changed, and never saw him again. I, for, for a para fan, this worked this weekend worked out well. But what do you think of that fight that happened in Magic Round? I mean, it's, I mean, it's such a good event, and people think that's what happens at Magic Round when it's not really. It's just it's it just, not. Look, it's just I do think there was a dearth of security there. There, there was in comparison to some other venues that you go to, but having said that, there's fifty thousand. Dude, people if that, that was the A League, this would be front page news for days. Yeah, so there was 40, 40 50 thousand people there at almost each game. So, you know, you'd expect some unrest as long as it doesn't get out of hand. But there were there were slightly less security than you see at other venues. So, not slightly, not slightly. I mean, we barely saw a security guard. Okay, I'm being somewhat generous, but but, um, but the amount of people there, to be honest, the crowd was really well behaved. I think yeah, You're I always going to so get too. a couple of idiots. Yeah, so in a Newcastle Knights jersey and then yeah, and to a Panthers jersey. Panthers jersey yeah. Yeah. Hey, after watching the game on Friday night, I, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to hand that over jersey. to you because that was a shocker. All right, let's keep going. I've got some PVL news coming up as well, so um, let's let's stay on some of the. Sadder news, Roy Simmons, 61 years old, being diagnosed with early-stage dementia. He's doing a 300-kilometer walk to raise funds. He's walking through the country. Uh, By all accounts, it's been really well-supported. Roy Simmons, a kangaroo tourist, part of the Invincibles in 86, and one of the best blokes in the history of footy. So um, I was listening to an interview with Barber on the radio, and he was saying he hopes he doesn't become the next one. Some of the, 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 the footy players we grew up with idolizing and watching... They're now concerned about dementia, and Roy Simmons has already been diagnosed. Well, I think with dementia, I mean, obviously there's there's pretty accurate statistics around it, but I would say that in general, you don't get 60-year-olds or early 60-year-old men getting 
signs of dementia. It tends to happen a little bit later at lot in life, in general anyway. And you've got Roy Simmons now, but you've also had Steve Mortimer, who's kind of on on that track as well. Terry Lamb said so, something interesting. He said it in jest, but I suspect there was an element of truth to it where he goes, "Yeah, I get up off the couch and I need to ask my wife why I got what, what I got up to get. No, I've actually heard that from quite a few players. They have those moments and they just think it's part of getting old, I'd imagine. But it seems to happen a little bit quicker with some of these footy players. So it's a bit of a concern and they really got to watch out for it. And if it starts to become an issue, maybe the NRL should partner with the Rugby League Players Association and the Men of League and things like that and really sort of do something about this because it is a bit of a worry. Well, I agree. I agree. I mean, but what, what can they do? Maybe just provide support services for family and friends. I mean, having but someone with dementia and having seen that, mate, I don't think they can do much else. They've almost pretty much outlawed any head contact, direct head contact. And unless you fundamentally change the sport and it won't even be rugby league anymore, what else can you do? Yeah. Really? Sad news. Hopefully. It is very sad news. It stays... Um, he stays in good nick for as long as possible, Royce, and we wish him all the very, very best. David Kidwell, he's an assistant coach at Parramatta. He has yes. applied for head coaching gigs for over the last four or five years. He came out of the I know where this is going to go, yeah. Storm. Do you? Yes. Where do you think this is going to go? I think you're going to bring up, is there a, a bit of a racial element around it? No, I'm going to bring up the fact that he quit Parramatta and went to Los Pumas to join Michael Chica as an assistant coach ahead of the Rugby World Cup next year. You were close. Okay. But that I was very close. He's decided to leave Australia because of the ra- ra- racial tension. I think that's a great move. Good on him. I mean, how many more jobs does he have to apply for? Five, six, eight? I'd imagine he mustn't even be getting close. What about the racial for some of these for him? Well, you know what? You've got to wonder how many Polynesian coaches have we, coaches have I we actually had? I agree with this. I agree with this. Stephen Carney. Who else has there been? That's it. And I'm pretty sure Stephen Carney got his first gig at the Auckland Warriors, yeah, right? Yeah, so there, there actually hasn't been... Jim Dimmick hasn't been able to get a head coaching gig. No, he has Titans not. after the this year, he won't. No, but I mean, you kind of wonder sometimes, right? Like, Jimmy Dimmick did perform quite well when he was in charge, but then can't seem to get a gig, whereas some other assistants, maybe better connected, you know, have one good season. They're like, oh, wow, this person's the next big thing, and they get a job straight away. So, look, I'm not saying it is necessarily that, but you've got to wonder if there's a bit of an unconscious bias there, you know. So that's why I thought that might have been it. But good on him. I think it's great for him to look beyond that and actually go and coach Michael Chicker in rugby. I think it'll be a great experience. Well, and, and, and I can't tell you. We love Magic Round, right? You there? Yeah. 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 So I can't tell you what a good event the rugby world cup is it is fantastic i think it'd be fantastic as well so i mean good I, I, went, I went with some mates as you know i go to a few I, I try to get to as many events as possible i like the rugby and the league the rugby world cup is one of the best events to go to and i go with mates that i actually like and will buy me a beer when it's their turn okay speaking yes that's right speaking of did you tell everyone i paid for dinner which was about three four rounds in one go did you did you do you want to tell people how your technology failure went with dinner everything you touched turned to shit <laughs> We double and triple check just to make sure we actually ordered. That's Six days happened. later, we ordered at 8 p.m. and we had it for breakfast the following day. I think it's because they were trying to kick us out. Well, no, I think I think, I think think your card, for whatever reason, in Brisbane <laughs> is on a blacklist somewhere. It must be. It's absolutely. Do not accept money from I came back to Sydney. I bought groceries today. It was what about fine. when you go, apparently there's a problem with Westpac terminals and Val and I go, we got Westpac cards and they work fine. Oh, it's just... 
Oh, I don't know. That's what I get told. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Well, you yeah. got to start hanging out with better people. Come on, Westpac. Sort yourself. Sort yourselves. Yeah. So, speaking of the Rugby World Cup, Australia has won the Rugby World Cup bid for 2027, which is fantastic. I can't wait for this. I oh, will wow. be going to as many okay. games as yes. I can. That'll um, be cool. They That'll have cool. already indicated. They've put um, Hamish McLennan, the the CEO and chairman. Oh, it's actually the chairman of the ARU has put the NRL players on notice that they will be looking to poach NRL players for the Rugby World Cup. And post post the World Cup, they're projecting a $100 million war chest. Now, there is a lot of players in the NRL currently, superstars, that mm. grew up playing rugby and are very familiar with the sport. They actually grew up playing rugby and league um, and got poached by league when they had to make a choice between the two sports. Because so, of the money. Because the money of the money. Is in league. Yeah, That's but, exactly. but you've got to remember, these islanders, their parents grew up watching, the Pacific Islanders, their parents grew up watching rugby, not rugby league. So there is this family affinity. There is nothing in rugby league that can offer the same rugby World Cup style of event at the moment anyway. Let's hope in the future there is. But um, what do you think of this piece of news? It's great that we've got the World Cup. I think that's fantastic. It'll it'll be a carnival of um, rugby. I think Hamish McLennan's kind of... It'll be interesting to see whether they actually do that. If I were rugby, I would actually pour my money... Off the top of my head? But uh, they Angus can. Crichton, Will Penasini, Suwali are all the right ages and around the right ages for rugby. They went to King's School and Angus Crichton was a ARU schoolboys captain. Was Luke Keery a schoolboys player, I think, from memory? I think he was yeah, as well. There's Sam quite a few, Walker, Lachlan Ilias, like, Sam Walker. There's a lot, right? But the thing is, it's how much money do they actually have? How much money do they have? <clears throat> but do they have to pay as much if they can dangle the World Cup in front of them? You've got to remember, it's not going to be the old players. They shouldn't go after the old players. Now, Drew, Drew, because so you've got to look at these youngsters that'll be the right age. I should age go after the, the young Cup. guys. Now, the other Absolutely. thing is, Drew Mitchell came out, ex-Wallaby, and he said he didn't agree with this policy because why should the players that have abandoned the sport be paid when all these people busting their guts in the sport aren't? I, I, I understand. I understand that. But if you Fair want to be call. competitive, you're going to need some of these rugby league players because no one's growing up wanting to be a Wallaby. Correct. That's right. They're not. Not anymore. When we were younger, the, the sports were sort of even... And then as we we progress, rugby sort of got the initial money um, to begin with. And Super Rugby um, at the beginning was league. fantastic. And yep, then, so they had a lot more of the money. They were poaching players and now it's gone downhill. And now, you know, to be a Wallaby, you probably get paid the same amount as you are if you're a 20th man in an NRL roster. So, you know, you're better off going towards the NRL. You have, you're more of a chance of being a professional. Magic Round has been confirmed for yes. Bris Vegas. In 2023 and 2024, I think this is a good move. I don't think they should move it to Sydney. Um, the no, only other place I would consider not. would be New Zealand, actually. Agree. I would only think about moving it to New Zealand. The problem with doing gives... Magic Round in New Zealand is you would end up in Hawaii. That is also possible, or the Cook Islands, but that would actually be quite nice either way. I'd probably happily miss New Zealand for both of those, even though... <coughs> Travellers checks. I can't it's wait. The long yeah, correct, check. correct, that? correct. Um, Gee, no, can you buy a um, round at the at the stadium? Sure. God, let me just grab my travellers' checks. New Zealand's the only other place it can be, and that's it. And you you do one or two, and that's it. Otherwise, leave it at in Brisbane, and it's one round a year, and it makes it special because it's magic round. If you have four or five of them, it it, it takes away. The I suppose the special specialty of Magic Round. It's just stupid, um, and I don't know what Peter Valand is thinking. People in Sydney have an opportunity to go watch the rugby league all the time and don't go. You know, and don't go. So what's going to make them go to Magic Round? That's right. 
Well, unless they do it at the new stadium, but it's just, it's not as convenient as what the Suncorp stadium. I was very impressed with Suncorp. That was my first time at Suncorp. Yes, fantastic ground. Fantastic ground. All right, let's let's do it. Before we get to the Bulldogs, I've got a few stories yep. here to go through. Um, Justice Michael Ball found in favour of the New South Wales Rugby League in their court case. That means that the New South Wales Rugby League don't need to hold fresh elections, that they haven't breached their constitution, which, as a reminder, was based on the Australian Rugby League Commission. The Australian Rugby League Commission has decided to appeal. However, there is some nuance in the finding. There is no new election required, but the, but the Justice Michael Ball also found that there's no binding funding agreement between the Australian Rugby League and the New South Wales Rugby League. They, they basically, New South Wales Rugby League got a moral victory, but not a financial one. My question to you is... Wouldn't someone in the New South Wales Rugby League have checked whether they got a binding funding agreement before it went to court? Do you know what my response to all this is? Considering this whole saga and the way that it's been going, the answer would be probably not. Well, it's, it's just highly this unlikely. Is, this is just a money grab from check. the clubs. This is all it is. Absolutely, and I think it's 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 just bullshit. They've wasted everyone time, everyone's time trying to get more money, and then they keep getting into the news corp press's ears and saying, "Oh yeah, this is the New South Wales Rugby. You know, have been painted as the bad guys in this." I just think. God, it's an agenda-driven sport. It, it totally is, and it sounds like, you know, the New South Wales Rugby League hasn't really done anything wrong at all. And we've had this kerfuffle and taken it to court for no point, really. All right, let me get to a couple of yeah. funny news, because I want to save the Canterbury yes. news for last. <laughs> yes. Now, the North Sydney Bears. Yes, there was a few North Sydney Bears fans Oh, that was here, great, actually. and West, West Magpies jerseys as well. That lady behind us was fantastic. Well, she'd been supporting them since Tommy, so... Um, yeah, the North Sydney Bears and the WA Rugby League look like they're getting into bed together to launch a bid. So they would be the Western Australian Bears. They would play of an course. occasional game Ro- at North Roaming Sydney. the they, plains maybe, of Fremantle. Maybe they yeah. play an occasional game at Manly. <laughs> uh, at, sorry, at North Sydney Oval. And the rest would, would be in WA, the home games. But it's not a bad... I didn't think it was a bad idea. But then I changed my mind when the bastions of corporate governance, uh, the NRL... <laughs> And in particular, the chairman was asked about what he thinks of this idea after the CEO came out last week and backed the New Zealand bid. The emperor decreed he really likes the idea. Oh my God, I give up, seriously. So which one do they like? I don't know, but we run the both, risk of admitting both, 27 teams. <laughs> yes. Actually, we've decided to um, admit five teams and now we have a 20... Papua New Guinea, Perth, Bears. So it's it's Papua New Guinea Bears. They're going to move to Darwin next. The I mean, Darwin it, Crocs what, will probably come in. A serious piece of news that PBL did say in that same interview where he said he liked the WA Bears. Look, it actually is a good idea. I think it's for a great North idea. Sydney I think it's a great idea. You know what I mean? Like, it's actually a really good merger of a club that's looking for a home but also expanding the sport to a place where it probably should be. PBL said that the business case will determine which team gets in which is interesting on their mindset, right? All they're looking for is commercial opportunities, not about growing the game. It's not that clear-cut. I mean, what if, what the, the, if it's if, a growth corridor in If the AFL did it as a business case, they never would have launched Gold Coast and GWS. No, they would not have. And it's funnily enough, I'm actually reading a book about the demise of Fitz, the Fitzroy Lions at the moment. And in hindsight, probably a dumb idea by the AFL. They poured so much money into Did you really need the Gold Coast Suns when you got Brisbane? Probably not, but it shows, like you say, the mentality of the AFL in terms of we want to grow the sport and make well, it's it a, a long-term game decision around as the opposed to what's going to get me the next ten dollars. And they've burnt through a hundred million dollars doing doing so. That's right. That's right. Which book are you reading? Fireman Sam. Fireman. 
Yeah, Fireman Sam from Fitzroy. Fitzroy <laughs> Sam. Fitzroy Sam, excellent. Who wrote that one? A little author by the name of PVL. PVL. <laughs> It's a colouring book. Actually, he, All right. he would um, come up with a good kid's book line, I think. Let's keep going. Yeah. I've got two more funny news before we get to the Bulldogs news. Yep. The, the NRL leaked a story that looks like the salary cap in 2023 may go up to $10 million from $9.2 million. Yes. Now, why I found this amusing is because I can read a calendar and it's May and they still don't know the salary cap for next year. I was going to say, did you say 2023? I did because say that, 2023. I would have thought has or is already in place and they'd know what the salary now, cap is. Now, for those of you that don't know, the contracts year. in the NRL run from September to October, so they've actually only got five months to finalise the salary cap. Oh, man. Surely they'd already know this. Well, they've already done the TV deal, so I'm, 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 I'm curious as to why. As soon as the TV deals are done in the NBA, they project out the salary cap and it's done. And then they do a true-up at the end of each season. That's what I assumed would have happened. Because you remember they actually didn't know the salary cap because they were, it was dependent on the TV deals and the other content deals. And now they've got that. Why would they still be wondering what the salary cap and is? And given they got exactly the same money as they had before, how hard is the maths on this? <laughs> it's a little bit too hard by the look of it. How hard is it to say, I was getting X amount before, I'm now getting X amount again. And the salary cap needs to be what exactly? What is the calculation here that they're doing? It's ten million. So, do we have to change anything? Yes, we have to redo all the calculations. Why? I, I, I yeah, because it's it's new. I'm blown away by it. I'm blown away by it. And all right, one my last piece of news before I get to all my myriad of bulldogs news. Andrew Abdo went down to the players' tunnel during Magic Round, and of course he what did. security there was was absolutely down by the players' tunnel to ensure the drunk patrons did not get to the players. And no one recognised who Andrew Abdo was, and he was denied access to the players' tunnel. I think that's fantastic. How good's that? It is good. It's the players' tunnel. Andrew Abdo, you're not playing. Let him go. Yeah, but that was my boss in there. The emperor was there. Oh, okay. Well, it looks like the emperor doesn't have a deputy, does he? No, no. no. He's just all on his own. I think Abdo might be Waylon Smithers in this scenario. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> those Waylon Smithers and Mr. Burns is PPL. Oh, shit. That is so true. He's Waylon Smithers. That's, oh, no, that's good, actually. Um, Can we refer going. to him as Waylon Smithers from now on? <laughs> we will. Smithers, right. Smithers and the Emperor. And after Magic Round, after putting in what was one of the most spectacular performances of rugby league I've seen in a many longer year, the Bulldogs made the heart-wrenching decision to sack... One T Barrett, uh, but before he could, you know, he resigned. Before he, resigned. he could get pushed, he resigned, and he got a payout that's reportedly about five hundred grand to to resign. Um, now Gus gave an interview where he where he absolutely refused to say he would coach the team. There's been several rumours about who will be the coach. Gus said there will be an interim coach, and then at the end of the season they'll look for a full time coach. Some of the names mentioned: Shane Flanagan, well, as in long term or interim, long term possibility. Yes, Brad Fittler. Possibility, yes. Strong possibility. Paul Green? I hope not, but he's been mentioned, but I think that's lazy journalism. I don't think he's in, in the running and at Cam all. And Cam Sheraldo. And I don't think Cam Sheraldo will go there. I think that's a pipe dream. I don't think Cam Sheraldo will go there, but and I don't think he's in the running because, I mean, look, Phil Gould's on the contradictory uh, media tour at the moment, but he did say that they need a coach who's had experience, which almost... Rules out a lot of players. A lot of Seraldo coaches. Sorry. and a lot of coaches. 
So my get my gut feel is things are pointing towards at least Flanagan and possibly Fitler at the moment because they're the two that have been mentioned that have any experience. Now, really. another piece of news: the players only found out when they turned up the training. They were texted, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, couldn't they have told them? Maybe the players didn't want to hear from him. Mate, because mate, what, I, what, what, the, what the fuck is going on at this club? Seriously. I really don't know. I, you texted players, the coach is gone, don't come back until Wednesday. You didn't call a meeting. You didn't give them a chance to ask questions. You didn't share your plans. You didn't do any of that stuff. What is this, man? This is amateur hour. Yes, I don't think that was handled well. And I wonder what's really sort of gone on. And Lordy, because, your primary sponsor... Has, is good mates with Trent Barrett for 20-odd years and comes out and he goes, I want an explanation. Well, thanks, Laundie, but good luck to you. He's, I mean, look, I have no, no, no desire to entertain anything that Laundie thinks at all. I don't think that's been handled well. When I read about the players found out and got told not to come to training, I think it would have been good to at least get them in and just have a chat about it. Maybe they didn't have to train, but at least talk about it and sort of let them air any grievances or how they feel or something like that. I mean, it's a pretty big change. That's how bad you guys are. Because, it look, that that impacts a lot of these players' careers, right? Like, what if one or two of them were favourites of Trent Barrett? Okay, let me go to the next piece of news. Brent Naden has a clause in his contract saying when Trent Barrett goes, and he's gone to the Tigers. Well, he's gone. He's gone. He's going to play against the Bulldogs this weekend. He he asked for a release. He's left immediately. He triggered the contract, and he's gone. Yeah, straight away, right? So... Um, he's and, gone. And the rumor um, is Matt Burton's got a clause in his contract similarly. I wouldn't surprise me. Now, but they're Matt not going to say that, Matt right? Matt Burton has already said he's going to test the market. Of course he would. Why so, wouldn't he? I, I, look, buddy, I just think if you're now... I think Matt Burton is going to go, to be quite honest, because he said, can sign... Gus said you've got another 18 months of tough in front of you, all right? So if, if you assume you don't make the finals next year, that's seven years you haven't been in the finals. You've, yeah. you've hardly yeah. got any players signed for 2024. I can't see any juniors coming up. It should take at least three years for you to play finals again. You're now looking at 10 years West Tigers territory for the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs if you don't get this next appointment right. It is our worst run in f- almost 50 years. That's how bad we are. You're talking like historically long bad run for, for this club anyway. It's, it's not just historically bad. It's a club that's been run down. I mean, I just don't know where the light is at the end of the tunnel now. The issue we've got also is that um, it looks like Mick Potter is the person who's going to be the interim coach. Um, but yeah, look, a bit a bit of a club in crisis, so we'll have to see how we, we sort of will go from here, to be honest. I mean, it's a chance to refresh and redirect the club, but the thing is, how many times do we have to do this? The two last coaching hires, as well as the shenanigans off the field, the last two coaching hires and have been a disaster. Why would Freddie go there? disaster. I think it'll be a good signing for the club. I just think it'll be a terrible thing for Freddie to do. The only reason I can see is because of his relationship with Phil Gould. I don't think he will go, but it's just the Phil Gould factor that Why would you give up the Channel 9 gig and the State of Origin gig? That's both going so well for him. Uh, Maybe he's got a a desire to get back into full-time coaching. I don't think he will. I just think it's maybe something... Even if you do, is that the club you go to? Because I think... My honest opinion is it may not be the next coach that reaps the benefits. You might be one more coach away from finals. I mean, who knows? I mean... I think Christian Wolf's a good idea, like a Justin Holbrook type of appointment that could give you a bit of a boon. But, man, I don't know where this ends up, G. The, the, issue, the issue for the club in general is that the next appointment has to be spot on because if it's not, then it's another three to four years before they get back again. And then 
once you're out of the finals for 12, 15 years... This is where you and I disagree. I think it's, it's a long time. three more years for finals for you anyway. Sorry. That's, that's my genuine opinion. I don't think you can... Unless you've got a crop of youngsters like Pan- the Panthers, which I don't think you do. I do know that they have reviewed the recruiting and junior league structures, but that's going to take three, four, five years to come to show. It's not going to happen overnight. But um, do we have any immediate youngsters? I'd say no. Well, okay. Good luck. Anything else you want to say before we get into Bulldogs Hour? Yeah, I wanted to speak about Magic Round, and one of the entertaining things during the weekend was the um, Queensland-inspired team mascots. Now, <laughs> I don't think... I think the players and the clubs flew up, and the club officials and coaches, but I don't think the mascots flew up with the teams. So... No, I don't think they I did think, at all. I think no, right. and I think Queensland sort of gave their own impression of them. For example, the Bulldog had a tail and looked like a cat. <laughs> um, the I, uh, Raider are you looked sure like that's a... what it looked like, given um, you were quite inebriated by this point? No, it was a very long white tail, which I don't think Bulldogs have. The Raider looked like... like the Paddle Pop um, Lion. The Paddle Pop Lion. I agree with that. <laughs> um, the rabbit did was not Reggie. I don't know who it was, but it was not it was Reggie. Reggie's Queensland cousin, Ronald. <laughs> yeah, Ronald the rabbit. Who else was there? The panther looked like the panther, a actually. black teenage teenage mutant ninja turtle. Yeah, except there wasn't any black teenage mutant ninja turtles because they're green. Yeah, they're green, so he looked like um, a kid that coloured in a teenage mutant ninja turtle incorrectly, but with fantastically yellow sunglasses. So the eel and the rooster were actually not too bad. And the tiger looked like a friendly, cuddly um, cat. <laughs> not a tiger. That's true. So. That's true. It was a disaster. But Next the time, if you can have the mascots. Yes. What about the fireworks during the day? Strange choice. Um, we were waiting outside for tickets. They were so excited the game was going to start. There was fireworks the, um, well, we weren't waiting outside for tickets. We had our tickets queuing to get in. Although the line moved pretty quickly, right? I think the Queensland... The line moved very quickly. They did well. The gate attendants did a good job, right? Yes, they did. But yeah, that was also a little bit um, different. Um, but at night, with all the lights and and um, fireworks and music and stuff, Suncorps, it's a really good site. It's a great stadium, honestly, to watch. What about football. that family from Toowoomba that you harassed? For three days. They were fantastic. What about that family? Yeah, from Toowoomba that had five people in the house that all supported different teams. Yeah, they just said that, that to get you off their back. I think so. Yes. <laughs> all right. Shall we move on to the games in Magic? Yes, Ground? we should. Let's settle in as we cover the most magical game of the magical most magical round of the season, Magic Round. And first up, it was one of the games of the season in torrential rain. The skill level shown by these teams was astronomical as 15th placed played 16th in a magical game. I'm using magic a lot given it was magic round. The Knights in the end snapped a seven game losing streak. No no thanks to Kalen Ponger's ability to catch a bomb with a scrappy 16-6 win over the Bulldogs in the opening game. It was a scrappy game played by two shitty teams. Now Adam Clune in the end uh, provided a pivotal role as the playmaker. He's back in the team. He did score a sharp solo try in the 76th minute as well, which iced the game. The Knights opened the scoring in the 7th minute when Kalen Ponga knocked over a penalty goal after Paul Vaughan was pinged for a dangerous tackle after being seen running away from a barbecue. 
Ponga was heavily involved again eight minutes later when he went down a short side and found Bradman Best who put Edric Lee over in the corner. And I thought Edric Lee actually played well this game. And the Knights led 6-0. Matt Burton's kicking game was... He, those bombs in real life are unbelievable, right? They are. They, they, are, they, are, they are absolutely are. unbelievable. And in the 21st minute, he laid on a try for Josh Adokar with a perfectly weighted grubber. The Bulldogs continued to pepper Ponga with high balls and grubbers, and, and, and he really struggled with it and converted that pressure into points through a Burton penalty goal in the 30th minute. And the scores were leveled in this high-quality game at 6-all. But then an, an uncharacteristically dropped ball by Jaden Ockenball coming out of his own end, which only happened six or seven <laughs> times during the game, opened it the does. door for the Knights. But they failed to capitalise, given their incredibly potency in attack. And the t- teams went into break, locked at six all. And at this point, the crowd was feverish at the quality of football they were seeing. Um, and you were still trying to get your credit card to work. Four minutes into the second half, the Knights got across the line through Daniel Saifidi, but the try was disallowed due to an obstruction by Matt Croker. They made amends shortly after when a poor defensive... Oh, was that, the, was that the try that where the for, pass was so far forward that they tried to find correct, something? To correct, 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 try? correct, yes, correct. It was, only, it was only six metres forward, and all of a sudden yes. they found an obstruction. That wasn't an obstruction. <laughs> yes. So that the, I mean, we got to the right decision. The way we got to the right decision was horrific. <laughs> oh, I know. It was, it was bad. Anyway, a point. Number eight was on the same field as number 10 and obstructed him from being able Correct. to make the by, tackle. By, by so, giving him bedroom by eyes. By just being on the field, yeah. A poor defensive read by Brent Naden, who was already thinking about his Tigers contract, opened the door for Ponga to slide into open space and lay it on the platter for best to score. The Knights then squandered opportunities to extend their lead on two occasions through Leo Thompson and Pasami Saulo to give the Bulldogs a sniff. But a superb covering tackle by Dom Young on Addo Carr with 10 minutes to play proved a huge moment. With the game going down to the wire, it was clear. It was yeah. great chase by Dom Young. It a was. lot more pace than people think he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just it was just an electric game, this one. With the game going down to the wire, it was Kloon darting over from close range to give the Knights breathing space at 16-6, and that's the way it stayed for the Knights to get their third win of the season. It did lift them off the bottom of the ladder. They leapfrogged. What team did they leapfrog? Oh, that's right, the Bulldogs. Uh, and it gave them a shot of confidence heading into the Round 11 clash against the Broncos. Um, now, I do want to say something. Action, who's, who, who will be listening to the pod but isn't on the pod today, um, asked me what my analysis of this game was. Um, you just didn't hold on to the pill enough. You missed 27 tackles and you only completed 65% of your sets. Um, he did need to go after this game. The Bulldogs fans, both online and in the stadium, were frothing. And, oh, you know, I said this last week, your problem's not defence. If the Knights, who have a poor attacking record, can score 16 points against you, you would think you'd win the game. Like, you should be able to put three three converted tries on the Knights, right? So you are not showing enough. And in this case, given the conditions, you didn't hold on to the ball enough uh, to, to challenge them. And, and hopefully they bring in a coach that can get something out of the Bulldogs from an attacking sense. Yeah, I think that's where it stands. But to be honest, like looking at that game, I would say that that's the first game I've seen this year where I question the attitude of a few of the players. I, yeah, they I think off. you could I see. Think it looked like they clocked off. It didn't look like their minds were on the. It's not. It, it didn't. It didn't manifest itself in defence. It manifested itself in the execution of their plays with ball in hand. Yeah, not the whole team, but I think some of them were mentally checked out, and I think maybe they spoke to people behind the scenes at the club to. You know, or maybe Barrett felt he hadn't reached, does can't reach them anymore. But something was off with the team. Having said that, and the Knights were really poor. It was both teams were shocking. Um, there was a few good players and a few players that tried hard. 
I mean, when you know you're a club like the Dogs and where they are at the moment, you're looking for your winger to enthuse and be the leader of the team. And I think Adokar would be a great addition. His enthusiasm is second to none, but even that has a, a finite limit. I, I'm now at a point where I play Josh Adokar at hooker. That's how bad you guys are. It's like football manager. You know how you had those players that used to play the defenders on the Yeah, they could the play right anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you got... um. You know, they're just... It was a terrible game. Uh, now, watching that oh, game really? live, I could really? see... Oh, wow. What deep analysis. It was awful. The Knights are really struggling. They should have torched the Bulldogs that night, and they were just as bad. But a little bit too good to win. I don't know what to take away from this game other than Barrett got sacked. The Bulldogs were woeful. Um, their attack I, I, is non-existent. I tell you the team I'd struggle to take something away from. The Bulldogs are a known commodity. I know they're shit. But the Knights, I'm still not sure on... They didn't. They should have torched the Bulldogs. The conditions didn't help. They didn't help, but to struggle, and they scored right at the end of the game to, you know, make it fourteen six. So, or sixteen six. So, to be honest, they were ordinary as well. It was a poor game. It was a poor game. And now I know why both those teams are, are, are down the bottom. It was disappointing and a, um, at least um, a slow entry into Magic Ground, well, but poor game. Okay. Well, let's move on to because uh, because we did have two games on the Friday night. There was no game on Thursday night, which was great. And we were pouring. It was luckily our seats were undercover, right? Except they weren't. Yes, they were not. They were on Sunday, though, which is great. Well, it's good it that sunny. you wore your Sydney Swans, your warm yes, Sydney Swans winter jacket right. yes, in the 400-degree heat. Remember the people stopped us as we were walking to the stadium and asked us, "Are you? Yeah. Is it raining?" And you said, "No, I'm just." I'm just. The ad, the 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 um the ad for sunny Queensland definitely makes sense now. <laughs> Younger, you were rugged up. You were rugged up. All right. Um, Manly, in the next game, uh, showed up in their Blacktown jersey. That's what it was. That black jersey was their Blacktown jersey, the feeder club, and got absolutely pummeled 38-0 by the most impressive Because they played team. like the feeder club. <laughs> they <laughs> played like the feeder it's club. True. That's actually true. They, they completed the metamorphosis for the evening. Adam Reynolds was absolutely sensational, and the Broncos were the best team I saw on Magic Ground. 38-0. Adam Reynolds laid on two tries for Selwyn Cobo, Cobo with pinpoint kits. Oh, yeah. And he scored one of his own with a chip and chase, which I don't think was necessarily for himself, but looked like it. Um, and, and the Broncos have now won four on the trot. Um, Adam Reynolds set the tone for the night when he clean bowled Tom Trebojevic with, a kick, with, with the kickoff to get the ball back for his team. And two minutes later, he set up Cobo for the game's opening try. The Sea Eagles launched an air raid of their own in the 14th minute when Tom Trebojevic flew high to bring down a Kieran Foran bomb and looked certain to score, but desperation defence by Billy Walters denied the superstar fullback, who still looks way out of sorts. And I'm going to get to another player that I think is way out of sorts as well. Walters then sprung to life in the attacking end, darting out of dummy half and grubbering into the ingolet before he was impeded by Jake Trebojevic and subsequent and the subsequent penalty made it 8-0 to Brisbane. Jake Trebojevic is also playing very poorly this year. He is, yes. The Broncos look to have extended their lead in the 33rd minute when Kirk Capel crossed, but the pass from Tyson Gamble was ruled forward. Gamble produced a huge play with a one-on-one strip to give Brisbane a late chance at points, and Reynolds delivered with a magical chip-and-chase try to make it 14-0 at the break. And this, at this point, the game was over, right? It took Reynolds just five minutes in the second half to put another try on a platter for Cobbo with a magnificent crossfield kick, and Selwyn Cobbo took a running start from four kilometres away. It was brilliant live, this try. Brilliant, and how fast he was, oh, but also really he unbelievable. made Ruben Garrick, who's not slow, look like he was standing yeah. in cement. Yep. Cobo completed the first hat-trick of his career when he intercepted a Dylan Walker pass and ran the length of the field to make it 26-0. Corey Oates, Corey Oates then got in on the action when he finished off a move which featured a good 
Good hands by Reynolds and Tamaro Martin and, and the love bug. With six minutes remaining, Oates put the finishing touches on the victory with the 107th try of his career, um, courtesy of an inside ball from Gamble. Try as they might, though, the Seagulls could not crack the Broncos' defence, which has just conceded 33 points across their four-game winning streak. Um, to- Tom and Ben Trebovic, which looked like they picked up injury niggles, um, but... I was very impressed with the Broncos, and I think the Sea Eagles are actually suffering from, you know, are they going to make the eight? I don't know. Look, my, my take, it's hard to take away things from this game because it's the hard Sea to take Eagles away things from Magic poor. Round because everyone's away from home. The Broncos were at home. Manly, I think probably the conditions were there. It's like they weren't quite at the races that game. Um, and I think Tom Trebojevic, you could see he couldn't really stretch out, and they're carrying He's him. Still He's injured, injured. right? He's still injured. It's so uh, watching it live. It's actually very obvious. He's scared to kind of explode off, you know, his feet and sort of really charge through the, the line and stuff like that. He's playing, but it might might be it's one of those injuries where they say you know it can't get worse, and he's playing through through it. But live, he doesn't have that breakaway speed or the explosiveness. He, he's kind of playing within himself, and I think that's really hampered their game. The, the young centres, I, I don't think... I was thinking that that might be an Achilles heel, but they had two of the young centres, Kapoa and, um, and Ben Trebojevic. Oh, yeah. They just weren't up to it. Um, too young, too inexperienced to to meet, you know, Katoni Staggs and Herbie Farnworth. So they were just too good. And the Broncos were fast. They were athletic. And in the middle, they looked quite nimble. And, um, you know, they move laterally quite well, especially with with um, Kurt Capewell, Ricky and Carrigan through the middle there. So they're, they're, I thought, like you, the Broncos were excellent. Um, Reynolds just has the team humming at the moment. Humming, Farnworth humming. was they great. Yep. sensational live. Cobbo's getting more confident. Did you see Selwyn Cobbo's celebration after the third try? No, I missed that, actually. Oh, where he made that credit card swipe as if he was paying for drinks? <laughs> no, I missed that. Of course I did. Yeah. I mustn't have seen it because my card, my eyes weren't working. Well, no, you because you, you, you're also busy getting travellers' checks out of your backpack. I was, but you know what's what's interesting? This is another team where Tessie knew kind of almost threw their rhythm out at times, and Tamari Martin's a little bit more of a predictable player while still being dangerous enough from fullback, and I think it's actually helped their attack. It's sort of made everyone settle into their roles a little bit more, but honestly, the Broncos t- put them away and they they ran all over them and i know manly had injuries and things like that but they weren't at the races and manly um just got flogged it was so one-sided this game very impressive by brisbane very Very impressive impressive. and they got the knights this week on a thursday night which um, we'll talk about a bit later um for super saturday which for once actually lived up to its name kicked off with the warriors versus the rabbitos the rabbitos won this 32 30 but not before the Warriors come back in the second half, nearly stole it. Um, Rabbitohs 5-8, Cody Walker was on fire early, putting aside some criticism earlier in the week around his own personal form to deliver fir- three first-half tries as the 2021 grand finalists racked up a 26-0 lead. However, their healthy advantage was narrowed in the second half as the Warriors got into the groove and dominated field position. And the Rabbitohs put the cue in the rack, right? I tried to jump- Yeah, totally. 32-6 at half time, Or 20... 20- well, they were sorry. up 26-0 yep. and the Warriors got 26 one just before sorry. half-time, yes. yeah, if you recall. However, their healthy advantage was narrowed in the second half as the Warriors got into the groove. Um, Jazz Tavanga got a try in the 70th minute to get the Warriors back to within 14 points with 10 minutes remaining before South Sydney were forced to defend with 12 for the final six minutes of the game after Damian Cook was simbin for a professional foul. The Rabbitohs held on 
to secure their fifth win of the season. But again, it doesn't look, you know, they should have killed them and they didn't. And it's it's really um it's it's really worrying. Um the Warriors who were coming off a shell off a shell shock result against the Sharks last week. Um, their first half fade out cost them dearly, but they can take plenty of way from their second half. A try to Mont- Marcel Montoya, his second of the afternoon, set up a grandstand finish um, with a minute remaining, but a final 40-metre field goal attempt from Sean Johnson barely got off the ground, which looked like one of yours. Um, South Sydney did cop an early blow with Jacob Host leaving the field in the first set of the game after injuring his shoulder. A double to Tane Mill inside 13 minutes started the onslaught with the winger benefiting from two right-side raids to send him over untouched. And actually, whilst the tries were scored down the right, they did a lot of damage down the left. The Rabbitohs were next to benefit from the left edge, on the left edge with Alex Johnson strolling yeah. over via a Cody Walker pass. A try to Blake Taff extended the visitors' lead before Damian Cook took advantage of a quick play of the ball to score the Rabbitohs' fifth. Um, South Sydney were denied a try through Lachlan Ilias after the Bunnies' halfback lost the ball in the greasy conditions, and the South spent the rest of the game trying to get Lockie Ilias over the line. The Warriors got on the board with three seconds left before half time. Uh, Marcel Montoya returning from a four-week ban by going over in the corner. Warriors' Tohu Harris made a successful return from an ACL injury, churning out a solid 30 minutes in his first game since round 18, 2021. And former former Warrior Cody Nikarima changed the game when he was injected onto the field in the 56th minute <laughs> after making a mid-season move to South Sydney. And after that, South didn't score a point and looked horrific. So the Cody Nikarima magic has worked again. Um, it has, totally. <laughs> Rapidos forward, Tavita Tola was dominant in the middle with 189 metres and Tom Burgess 147 metres setting up a platform. I didn't say what, um, how Cody Nikarima would change a game, but he's a game changer. He certainly did. Uh, he did. He, he, it was like he was playing for South, but actually really secretly playing for the Warriors. This game, T, it was so one-sided that it looked like, honestly, the Rapidos were going to score 50 in the first half. It was, it was just constant breaks wide open spaces on that left hand side of the, of attack uh, the rabbitos were all over them and i thought it was going to be an absolute flogging but the rabbitos essentially switched off in the second half the, the warriors scored a try and the second half was a total reversal uh, uh, the rabbitos switched off and they couldn't switch back on and they really struggled to kind of um get their mojo back again and I think what didn't help is you could see their intensity drop, but then Lachlan Ilya scored just after... Half-time. Um, not long after half-time. Yep. And once that happened, like you say, they put the queue in the rack and they thought, we've got this game easily. It's 32-6. to six. And the Warriors nearly ran them down in 20 minutes. So I thought at the well, end less, of it... Less I than thought 20 if the Warriors, minutes, really. I mean, bloody the last 10, 15 minutes, they just, it was just try after try. Try, and I think the Warriors also somewhat were a bit more conservative at times too and they could have really went after them um, but they came back into the game honestly they probably would have deserved they to scored steal it four right tries the um in the, yeah. in the second half nearly ch- chased yep. the Rabbitohs down who were last year's grand finalists and your opinion yep. is they didn't attack enough no i think they had no choice what i mean is that how about if they made some tackles in the first half? How about that? That would have helped. That would have actually helped. Yeah. Yeah, that would have helped a lot. But it was so easy for the Rabbits that they just switched off and couldn't switch back on during the game once the Warriors got a roll on. They nearly ran them down. When the Rabbitohs were involved and engaged in the game, they were way too good and they looked impressive. Once they switched off, they couldn't stem the tide, which, like you say, makes them, you know, probably mirrors their season. They're a little bit inconsistent at the moment. They couldn't switch that back on and really shut the game down. So. Good comeback by the Warriors, but you've got to wonder, why does it take you, you know, to be down 20 nil every week to start playing a bit of footy? So, but the so Rabbitohs... This is my thing. This is my thing from this Switch game. off. So this is my thing from this Yeah. Game. 
How much of it is the Warriors and how much of it is the Souths? I think a bit of both in this game. I don't. I don't think so. I think it was Souths. I think. I think Souths. You remember when we play tennis and I and and G and I play tennis and I'm a little bit of a better player than G at tennis. Yes. But yep. I but I win and yep. lose the matches off my own racket. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I mean, I I need a few things to go my way to beat it. Yeah. If I'm making my shots, I win. Yeah. Yes. And correct. I think Souths in this game were a little bit like that. I think if Souths played with the intensity they did in the first half, it easily could have been sixty nil. But they dropped. So much after Lachlan Ilias has tried. Oh, the it was half. like they're in slow motion. They were just in the waiting half. not to get injured and waiting for the game to end. I think so. I think the conditions again were not fun to play in. Oh, I agree with that, and I think that's what happened. And they nearly got run down. So um, the Warriors. Um, what do you take away from it? You know, better starts to the games. Don't get so far behind. Well, they got Saints this week, which is an interesting one. All right, shall we? Shall we go to arguably? Certainly in terms of closeness, the, 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 the match of Magic Round, as the Titans snatched a Golden Point win over the Dragons, which the gentleman and his fiancée behind us were very unhappy about. I don't think the fiancée cared, but the gentleman was very angry. He was very angry. Jermaine Asa- and he disappeared for a while. He didn't come back for, for a little while, yes. So God <laughs> yes, only knows what he, he was doing. Let's hope he wasn't starting a brawl in the opposite side of the stadium. No, he wasn't. He wasn't a small unit either, just quietly. If, he'd, if, he, if, if he hit someone, they would have stayed hit. The epitome of a, a a crazy dragons fan, but he's. I did say to his fiance, you know, he's a little bit fanatical. He, he loves was, the he dragons. He was getting because... a bit cranky with you trying to convince him to let her go for the storm too. Which... Yeah, I think he did. You know, apparently that's not the half of it. So a fanatical dragons fan, he was involved in the game, so he kept it. Um, kept us excited well, I mean, during the game. After you left to cash in some more travelers checks, I asked the fiance, and she said she said he asks her to call him Anthony Griff. Of course. Oh, she, she does. Keep on going. All he right. wasn't a fan of Anthony Griffin, I'll tell you Mate, that. how could you be? How did they give him a contract it extension? How did they give him a contract extension before a game was played? I don't know. Keep what on he, going. Well, who's he going to recruit the 1988 Broncos, the original team? He will, yes. I coached them will. when they were seven. <laughs> How did... Johnny Plath. There are, Johnny Plath. There are buffoons running these sports, seriously. Yes. Yes. Jermaine Asako. Um, now, they did get up. Titans got up in Golden Point. It was actually a really gripping game. It um, was. It was actually one of the the best games of the weekend. It was exciting. Well, it wasn't the highest quality game, though. It was gripping, I would describe it as. Jermaine Asako did miss two extra time field goal attempts before snatching a 20-16 to win for the Titans against the Dragons with an 89th minute try. Um, this was the second of the three games on the Saturday. Little separated the two teams in a gripping contest, but after it looked like Saints were finishing the strongest Gold Coast prop. Jared Wallace crashed over for a try to force the game into extra time, and Isako scored the match winner. It was just the third win of the season for the Titans and ended a five-match losing streak. And with Jaden Campbell returned for this game, and he was fantastic. Really, really made a difference. Boom, Saints fullback Tyrell Sloan was also recalled after six weeks in New South Wales Cup. Um, However... He did produce a number of errors late in the match. I think it might have been fatigue, as did fellow Dragons rookie Talatao Mone, who fumbled yes. an attempted field goal yes. by Toby Sexton to give the Titans a final shot of winning the match, um, they, which they actually took, right? And they scored the game-winning try. The Titans were rewarded for a strong start to the match when AJ Brimson scored in the seventh minute after winger Philip Sami tapped back a Toby Sexton bomb for Bo Firma and then positioned himself to receive the pass from the second rower 
before shifting the ball quickly to the unmarked Brimson. Sexton's kicking game kept the pressure on the Dragons, who were forced to make three goal line dropouts in the opening 15 minutes. Eventually, the pressure took its toll with Josh Maguire sent to the sin bin in the 17th minute for repeated infringements as Saints were forced to defend five repeated sets near their own line. Despite being a man short, the 12-man Dragons side declined an opportunity to kick a penalty goal and were rewarded when winger Matt Fagai scored in the 21st minute after Ben Hunt faked to kick and passed to Moses Suli. And at this point, I'm going, Titans can't even score against the 12-man Saints team. In fact, Saints have scored here. Um, with the team, yeah. you know, like that 10 minutes was absolutely won by the Saints and they should have taken a lot of confidence from that. With the teams back to 13 players apiece, it was the Titans who took the lead in the 28th minute after Fermor pounced on an in-goal rubber grubber by Sexton. The Dragons lost Maguire at halftime, but it didn't slow their momentum as they upped the pressure on the Titans' defence. Hunt produced a 40-20 kick in the 45th minute, but the Dragons failed to capitalise. The Red V suffered another setback when Moses Sully was disallowed a try in the 53rd minute because of an obstruction by Jack Bird on Sexton. However, they were finally rewarded when Jack DeBellin bumped his way over for a try after Hunt combined with Amoni. The Dragons looked snatched to Look set to snatch the lead for the first time in the match when Mikaeli Ravalawa set sail for the corner, only to be bundled into touch by Corey Thompson and Philip Sami, who were very good down that edge. They were very good down that edge, that left edge of the Titans. Um, Corey yeah, Thompson Corey Thompson makes a big difference. He's a highly underrated player. And I think he's actually quite good for Philip Sami too when he's playing in the centres. He is because he always makes the right decision. Live at the ground, he's a very good communicator. Yeah, he is. He yeah. used to be a fullback yeah. and he, his positioning is always on point and he's, he makes a big difference. They were very, very good down that side. I agree with you. I think they he should have been in the team from a while ago for some reason. They went size instead, but it cost them a few I games. Think that's I think that's right. I think that's right. Um, after giving Sami a rap, he was penalised for a shoulder charge, and Zach Lomax actually landed a really difficult con- sideline penalty. It was a great kick. Yeah, it was a great Live. kick. Great give, kick. To give the Dragons a 12... A pressure kick it was too, pressure, yeah. yeah. So they gave them a 12-10 lead with 15 minutes to go. Suli finally scored his first try for Saints in the 70th minute after Jaden Campbell fumbled a Hunt bomb. The Dragons shifted the ball across the field on the next tackle with Hunt dummying to Sloan before throwing a long pass to the powerhouse centre. Lomax's failure to convert ensured the Titans had a chance to draw level and prop Jared Wallace decided he was the man to do so when he called for the ball near the try line and charged over in the 74th minute. Um, Zach Lomax did miss two field gold attempts before the match went into extra time and in the first period of Golden Point, he and Gold Coast winner Jermaine Osako both failed with attempts. Sexton also missed with a field gold attempt but Talatau Amone fumbled the ball near his own line to give the Titans a scrum feed in an ideal attacking position. And rather than set up for a field goal, which I thought was clever because everyone was missing and it became a field goal-a-thon, the Titans shifted did, the ball yes. wide and Campbell put Osako over in the corner to win the match. What did you think of this one? It was an absorbing game. I think that's it. It was absorbing. I enjoyed it. I liked watching watching the game. I loved watching the Titans with Jaden Campbell. They didn't play an overly, sort of really attacking style of football, but... Because uh, I thought Brimson wasn't involved as much as I thought he would be. He he sort of picked spots, and I thought they missed his his you know take his attitude, his supercharged runs, and the way he ups the tempo when he plays. I, I thought he wasn't involved the way he should be. I thought Corey Thompson was fantastic for the Titans, both defensively and in attack. He, he's an attacking footballer defensively and with the ball, and I thought it sort of solidified their line. I thought. It was a very even game because I don't think the Dragons also took advantage of some of the um, Titans' weaknesses in defence. Moses Sully did at times, but they could never capitalise. I thought the the Titans scrambled quite well and they kind of didn't quite allow the Dragons to, to, to kick away. Even though at times I thought the Dragons were the ones that 
looked like they were going to slowly win the game. But there was always a bit of magic from Jaden Campbell. I have to say, watching Jaden Campbell in person, God, he's an exciting player. Oh, he's great. he's he so fantastic. tiny. Oh, he's fantastic. I hope they don't bulk him up too much. That's part of his magic. And, and what's amazing is he's able to still break tackles and so always half get through a gap. And I thought um, Eason Masters didn't do too bad for the, for the Titans as well. Came up with some good defense and aggressive defense. But one where it was just a close game. And I think either side could have won it. But like you say, Amon, I don't think... He didn't play with a lot of confidence. And I also thought Terrell Sloan was trying hard and then slowly went into his shell as, as the game wore on. they fatigued. They haven't been playing, right? They've been playing New South Wales Cup and they're not used to the pace of NRL. I think they just fatigued. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully they don't yeah, absolutely. Their heads, yeah. I, I don't think the, the Dragons played badly. and I thought they played okay and so did the Titans. It was a, a good game. And one thing I will add to that is watching Tino Fasuomali in person. What a player. Oh, yeah, he's a machine, right? Everywhere. He's a machine. He's everywhere. He's, he runs hard. He'll take two, three touches in a set of six. He's defensively everywhere. Um, but you kind of see the Titans, if they can fix their defensive issues, you know, they, they've got a good side. They've just got a few things they need to iron out. Um, and a, a couple of watching Fatawaka and some of their players get puffed out after about two minutes on the field. Uh, you kind of wonder where the lack of fitness comes from. But it was, look, an absorbing game, something to build on oh, for both teams. It was noticeable um, how it was good game. the Titans are, though. Absolutely. You could see it. It was really it, like, noticeable. You could see them start to suck in the big breaths of air after being out there for four or five minutes. That's not a good thing. Not a good sign. Not a good sign. I mean, you, you, you were sucking the big ones in as you made your way up the stairs to... So it was a good, a good game. All good right. game. Good game. What, good finish. Let, Exciting. Let's move on to what was before the game proposed to be the match of the season. Actually, not even the match of the round. That was the Panthers versus the Storm. Unfortunately, they did. The Storm lost flying Ryan Pappenhausen. He was busy doing more commercials. Uh, Jerome Hughes and Remus Smith before the game started. They were replaced by Tyron Wishart and Cooper Johns. But it was a tough night for them. Um, the, the Panthers really. Smashed the undermanned storm outfit 32-6 at Suncorp Stadium. Um, Cam Munster tried hard. It wasn't enough, really. I mean, they really killed them. Ivan Cleary, no. again, wasn't there for the second week in a row for medical reasons. Um, Maybe they should sack him. It's been on fire. Are you trying to get him as coach of the dogs? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. The Panthers were so dominant that they were able to rest Jerome Luai and Isaiah Yo late in the second half. The Panthers quickly put last week's 22-20 loss to the, par- to the Eels behind them. When Nathan Cleary and Isaiah Yo combined before Jerome Luai put centre Isaac Tager over with an inside ball in the sixth minute. Then Fiji strike forward Vilaimi Kikau soared above Mari and Seve to latch onto a Cleary crossfield kick to score in the tenth minute, and the Premiers were scoring better than a point a minute. The Storm had been starved of possession, but their star 5'8", Cam Munster, managed to get them back in the game in the 18th minute when he followed up on a one-on-one steal with a perfectly placed crossfield kick for an an unmarked Nick Meany to score. Um, Cam Smith did the one-on-one strip and did the perfect kick, and all you could talk about was Nick Meany's ability to catch the ball and fall down. Correct. Yes, okay. A little bit biased. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit biased. Munster then came up with another big play for his side when he held up Steve Crichton over the try line five minutes before halftime, but a high tackle by Meany on Dylan Edwards enabled Cleary to kick a penalty goal. Tago's second try just two minutes later after Melbourne fullback Tyron Wishart spilled a Luai bomb proved to be a hammer blow to the Storm as they went to the break trailing 20-6. to 
Luai then scored a try of his own in the 55th minute after Cleary found kick out with a short pass and the star second thrower managed to get an offload away to the New South Wales and Samoa 5-8. A 62nd minute try, uh, Stephen Crichton try threatened to see the scoreline get ugly for Melbourne, but they never gave in and the Panthers didn't score again. There's nothing to say other than the Panthers completely outplayed the Storm, but they've Ryan Pappenheisen... Jerome Hughes and Remus Smith make a big difference when they come back into this side. I'm not sure they make a 32 to 6 difference, but they make a difference. The Panthers came out on fire. They they came out, they were running hard, playing an incredibly up tempo style of football. They they scored early, they scored again, and it looked like, you know, shit, are they going to really blow them off the park in the first 20 minutes? And it was kind of good that the Storm started to find their way into the game. Munster made a couple of breaks. He's a funny player watching live actually Cameron Munster. He he moves strangely in a way. He's not that fast. No, mate, doesn't you know, appear he that is, strong. He's a footy player. Yeah, but somehow he's a footy player. He's an old school Queensland footy yeah, player. Yeah, he shrugs shrugs people he's off. He's an old school footy player. It's it's actually fascinating he's a, how he makes a thinner, faster Jason Smith uh, with a kicking game. Yeah, he's but really good to watch look, live. He looks slow on the field, right? He's doing yeah, a slow yeah, absolutely yeah, he yeah, does. Yeah. He absolutely does. And then he busts through three tackles. Yeah, but you know he started to get his way into the game a little bit. I thought that the, the storm settled a little bit, and when Meany scored, I thought, oh, okay, they're starting to work their way back into the game. But they, from there on in, it, it seems like the the Panthers just kept up the defensive pressure. They were relentless, and then eventually they just wore the night the storm down to the point where another try to target just before half time, And when they came back, like you say, Luai went over and then Crichton scored. And it was just too much for the Storm to handle. The Storm tried hard and defensively tried to keep them out. But honestly, 32-6 was a pretty accurate reflection of how dominant they were. And it could have been more if the Storm sort of... They only gave up in the last two minutes, really. Um, they tried hard, to, you know, and, and still put in. But the Panthers were way too good and they missed their players. Tyron Wishart at fullback... Tough gig against the Panthers' defence, but not quite fast enough to take advantage of sometimes the way the Storm plays. He he doesn't fit there. Um, so they didn't quite match up with the Panthers well with some of the changes they had, but they tried hard. But the Penrith, God, they're impressive. Very um, they're, they're really, really impressive. They're athletic, they're fast, and they're relentless. So a good win, but a little bit of a downer after looking forward to this game for so long. But, you know, the Storm tried hard. Let's move on to the next game, the Sunday games. There was three games on the Sunday, and the first up, it was the Sharks versus, well, the Raiders versus the Sharks, and the Sharks didn't show up. The Raiders got this one. No. No. They had really poor ball handling. It was the Raiders' first back-to-back wins this season, um, and the Sharks were really out of sort, particularly with the move of Nico Hines to fullback. It completely negated their attack, um, with Braden Trindle not, not quite giving them the same. But it was all one-way traffic that the Raiders and the Raiders raced out to a 20-0 lead. The Sharks got back into the game with two second-half tries, but the Raiders lifted in defence with some spirited efforts. Making the Raiders' performance even more impressive was that they were forced to defend their line for 30 minutes with 11 and 12 men after Chance Nickel Klockstad and Corey Horsburgh were sinned in for professional fouls. Tries to Sebastian Chris, Josh Papali and Corey Harawira-Naira inside 26 minutes took advantage of an ill-disciplined Sharks outfit who conceded four penalties to relieve any pressure on the Raiders with the ball. Englishman Elliot Whitehead was then sin-bin for high contact on Dale Finucane, reducing the Raiders to 11 men on the field midway through the contest. The Sharks had no answers in attack throughout the match to take advantage, however, and looked lost without Nico Hines in the halves after he moved to fullback this week with Will Kennedy missing through suspension. 
The Raiders got on the board in the fifth minute through Sebastian Chris when he outlept Sione Katoa in the air to get the ball down. Cronulla, and, and by this point, we'd walked to the stadium, so we were sweating. We, we needed refreshments <laughs> at this point. Even you decided yes. to take off your Swans jacket. Well, um, I did, yes. Cronulla were their own worst enemies to give, give the Raiders more yardage with the four penalties I mentioned earlier. Canberra extended their lead through Raiders hard man Josh Papali when he crashed over the line from close range, courtesy of a pass from NRL deputant Zach Wolford. Another former greats son, a clumsy high shot from Britain Nikora on Corey Harawira Naira enabled the Raiders to push their lead to 14 via a penalty goal. Harawira Naira then ensured the side got a 20 point lead when he finished off a Sione Katoa spill in a disappointing afternoon out for the Sharks winner. The Raiders were forced to defend with 12 after chance Nickel Klockstadt was Sinbin for a professional foul in the 34th minute, and Canberra were denied a fourth try of the afternoon during that period, with Jordan Rapana ruled offside from a kick. Cronulla lost Jack Williams to a shoulder problem to compound the loss of Finucane to a failed HIA, and the Sharks activated their 18th man after losing Finucane, given Whitehead was binned for the foul play. The Sharks narrowed, to, narrowed the lead to 16 with a try through Katoa out wide, but another try to the Sharks through Royce Hunt reduced the lead until Brad Schneider's late effort sealed the win. Um, the Sharks were never in this for mine. I thought they might come back into it because they were also they were making inroads at times after the first you know, blast from the Raiders at the beginning but of the game. They kept dropping the ball. They always, that's the thing. They kept on dropping the ball. It was like they'd make a break and then lose the ball on the next next tackle or drop the ball when they were trying to offload and pass. It just wasn't quite working. I, I think, like you say, when you watched them play in the last few weeks, or at least since the start of the season, they're quite in sync with how they move. Hines popping up, Kennedy. And that, I think having Hines back at fullback, strangely actually sort of threw them out a little bit and they couldn't quite adjust. I think more so because Braden Trindle probably threw them out of sync and then Matty Moylan was probably looking for a Kennedy type or it happened to be behind. So it, it just, they were a little bit off, but fair play to the Raiders. They came out and they were playing really good football. They got a bit lucky, I think, with the first first try. It was kicked right into the sun for Paul Katoa and yeah, you could see oh, him look right. up and, and he they lost. they hadn't seen sunshine in their entire time they were up there. Totally couldn't see it. The Raiders played tough, solid footy, and, you know, moved the ball quite well. I have to say, with Jack White not out there... They look better. They look more of a team. That's I don't right. They don't like rely on Jack White it, so much. Not everything's funneled to Jack White and then waiting for him to do something. It's everyone's sort of got a different role, and Brad Schneider stepped up, and I thought Matt Frawley, who's, you know, been languishing around in sort of reserve grade for a number of years, he, he's playing really well, and I thought... The Raiders did a really good job, and they were the more enthusiastic team. They did play better, and I thought somehow it wouldn't have been fair if the if the Sharks fought their way back in. But like I said, the couple of tries at the end where Brad Schneider sort of went over, a good for the young kid, kicked well as well, and that iced the game. And you know, a deserved win for Canberra. Very good performance. I'm going to put Canberra. it down. I'm going to put it down to. Um, I'm going to put it down to Sharks having an off day. Off day, but. The Raiders have struggled in the second half the last and you know, got the this season this and week and the Ra- thirty to ten. And the Raiders they looked like they wanted to give it up in the second half again, right? Um, but they held on. So and they got Souths this week, so that'll be an interesting one. And the Sharks have the Titans. Alright, shall we move to the what was quality wise the game of the round? It was a very high quality yes. game of football. Yep. Um, between Parramatta and the refs. Um, yep. the refs won at thirty one twenty four. Uh, they did it. Um, the, the refs were Sam he- the refs were helped by young guns Sam Walker and Joseph Sawali. Good job by the ref, right? He did a really good job in in making sure that the Roosters made a difference. They scored eight. <laughs> they scored eight points while we were down to twelve men, and we lost by seven. Yes, he did. Yes. Okay. 
So I just wanted to point that out before my bitterness takes over on this game. Yes. Uh, our consistency was on show again. Um, Walker scored a brilliant solo try and landed four goals. He did really kill us. He was sensational along with Suwali. Um, while Suwali grabbed a double as Trent Robinson's men chalked up their sixth win of the season. We've now got an identical record to the Roosters after this loss. The Roosters made the perfect start when veteran big man Jared Warrior Hargraves threw a dummy and bamboozled Regan Campbell-Gillard, who looked like a Mack truck, before carrying Reed, Campbell, Reed Marnie over the line to score in the fourth minute. Jared Warrior Hargraves, that was the best 20 minutes of footy I've seen from him in a year and a half. I thought he played for you. He had he a fantastic, was a fantastic game for the Roosters. For us, Mitch Moses was sensational, and he put his stamp on the game early in the 10th minute when he produced a superb show and goal on halfway to split the Roosters open um, before finding Isaiah Papali backing up on the inside to score. Solo magic. That was magic Mitchell Moses round. He had some magic in the second half too. He did. Three minutes later, it was Roosters skipper James Tedesco bagging a try after chasing through a walker grubber, which Clint Gutherson badly dropped. And he, he just, he, this is where his pace was found out. He, he, he was actually in front of Tedesco and he didn't have enough leg speed to get there before him and, and Teddy put the ball down. Um, Teddy was then in the thick of the action again in the 16th minute when he was tackled without the ball by Tom Opacic close to the try line and the Eels centre was sent to the bin. This, in my opinion, was a 50-50 call. Yeah, I thought I, I thought it was the para, para were harshly done by a little bit, a little bit. Not it's not a blatant, but a little bit. Not blatant, yeah. But you know, it's one of those calls that sometimes, like, it's a penalty. Stay on the field. Well, I just feel like get a, a penalty warning, would have been but... suffice. Would have sufficed, right? Walker landed the penalty goal to make it fourteen six. Having laid on a, now, I don't think the referee can give a penalty in that instance and not bin them. So I get the rules around it, but you know, I just thought it's a it's too harsh a penalty in a game like this. Having laid on a try for his skipper with the boot, Walker then did it all on his own with a brilliant chip and chase try in the 25th minute, and Trent Robinson's men were out to a 14-point lead um, to make it 20-6. to six. Bailey Simonson looked set to pull one back for the Eels, but he was pulled up for a double movement. He just couldn't help himself on a zero tackle when he just needed to take the tackle. Um, the, the yeah, good... I thought the, the Eels were looking good then when he did that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but the, 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 the unfortunate thing was it was only a double movement by five metres. Um, but a great cover tackle by Angus Crichton cut him down just short. It was a good tackle. With 10 seconds remaining in the first half, Walker calmly potted a field goal to make it 21-6 at the break. And it'd be fair to say at halftime at Magic Round, I was extremely happy at halftime. Would you concur with that, G? Yes, you were. I think you definitely were very happy. Yes, I was very calm and happy. So, but and, and, and my happiness was further extended early in the second half. You when... were actually like the crazy Dragons fan. I was. Yes. I don't want to be reminded of this. My my happiness was further <laughs> compounded when Suwali crossed early in the second half after good lead-up work by Luke Keary and Joey Manu before the Eels hit back through a rampaging puppily. Two minutes later, though, the Eels were right back in the context thanks to a superb individual try by Mitch Moses, which saw him scoot down the touchline and kick back inside for himself before getting a second kick on the ball. And ha- happy feet, Moses. Magic, magical seven. feet. And we were within seven. Great but try. I knew we were in yeah. bloody trouble at that point when you said, hey, man... The eels will win from here. Um, given the <laughs> given the weekend you'd had, I knew we were fucked. So Ryan Madison made it three tries in ten minutes when he stormed over, and the Roosters' lead had been cut to one point. And I thought, geez, for the first time this weekend, G might be right. But of course, I, the karma gods don't work that way, G. And Suwali made it a no, double in the don't. sixty-second minute when he soared through the night sky to put down a Kiri bomb, and the Roosters had steadied the ship. What, what a take! Twenty-four. Your winger, winger had no chance. He literally was an old AFL mark from the eighties, right on top of his shoulders. He just—it was great to see. And life, the Roosters' how professional outfit, right? They managed field position to campus down on our line, and Dylan Brown gave a penalty away on Satili Tupanua. I understand 
the replays or, or the commentator said it was an obvious penalty at the ground with the replays we saw. I didn't think he made head contact at all. And Walker knocked, yep. knocked over the penalty goal to make it 31-24. It could be a one-eyed eel support of you. Um, but they hang, hung on to claim the victory. Um, but 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 you know what? We we were brave. We were brave, given their salary cap is double ours. Um, look, I think... Um, and they had the ref. At one point, we were down to 12 did. playing against 14. Of course. The, the extra man on the field. The Look, the Dylan Brown penalty, it's one of those where, you know, you duck in. It didn't really hit him, but... He got injured and he sort of hit his head a little bit and it might have even been on his chest or whatever it is, but they they, they give penalties for that stuff, sort of stuff now whilst we may agree or there was disagree no head, with it. At the um, ground, it didn't look like it was head contact. Oh, not not really, but you know they give penalties away for stuff like that now. So um, I thought they were a little bit harshly done by, but what impressed me the most about the Roos is I thought their defence generally was very good. I thought the para, a couple of the tries they scored basically through the magic of Moses were brilliant. It was all individual show and go, speed, taking a you know an aggressive approach in attack, but very solo tries. We've got we've got these types of games in us, right? Where we attack and attack and attack and can't score, and it's only individual brilliance that gets. Out. We've got those types of games in us. Yeah, I think this was one of those where I thought they were they they didn't attack poorly, but I kind of felt like they never really got clear chances against the Roosters' defence. I thought the Roosters defended quite well. I thought Sam Walker added that touch of magic and was really comfortable. We had a great game, maybe being up in Queensland and a full house, probably got family and friends around. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Tedesco involved himself where he needed to be. Gutho was quiet. Gutho was quiet. Gutho was quiet. Gutho was quiet. Uh, seeing him live, I do understand now why his anticipation is so good. His work rate's extraordinary. His fitness, his fitness is off the chain. Watch him live for anybody that... If they watch Para, watch him live. He's moving. He's perpetually moving. He's the fullback version of Ray Price, perpetual motion. He doesn't stop. I, I thought Gutherson was a little bit quiet, and I don't think they probably needed him to to have one of his good games that he usually has, the Eels, against the Roosters. But Roosters defensively, very good. Um, Crichton came up with some great tackles. Sam Walker, excellent. Um, Jared Warrior Hargraves oh, was superb. excellent. He was superb. Joseph Suwali started to settle down in first grade a little bit now and become a lot more comfortable. I thought this is the best performance by the Roosters all season. I agree with that. And it was a good win, and I thought they played really well. I don't think Parra were bad. I just don't think they were good enough on the day. I would to say this to you about the Roosters, though. They won premierships off the back of their defence. Their defence is not looking great. It's not as dominant as it used to be, but I thought they defended well against the Eels. I agree with that. But but yeah. I don't think their defense is nowhere near as good as what it used to it's be. It's not premiership they, quality they, at the they, moment. They no. need to score twenty odd points to win games because of their defense. Yes, yes, their defense is not as good as it used to be. They scored twenty four before and it was game over. Now, they, their their attack has to compensate for some of the points. I mean, basically, if they got to eighteen or sixteen or eighteen points, they could defend their way to victory. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and that's I, not I the case this year. But no, I don't think they can do that anymore. It no, really wasn't good the case win. last year either. All right. Last game of Magic Round. Do you remember any of this? Because you were, by this point, tired, emotional, and hammered. I swear I was tired. Um, I I do remember this game. I was excited to watch the Cowboys. What part and see of this game they, do you remember? Or have you gone back and reviewed this game? Because I don't think you were watching this game. I remember Scott Drinkwater coming up with some magical plays oh, and have excellent. lucky plays, but oh, that's about it. Right. And Ruben Cotter scoring th- straight through the middle of the field. Right, so Scott Drinkwater um, with a lot of pace. Play. He did, um, and Ruben Cotter scoring through the middle of the field. So the Cowboys won their fifth in a row as they closed the match yes. round in style with the 36-12 over, win over the Tigers. 
Um, the game opened in spectacular fashion with Murray Tawalagi setting up a try for Scott Drinkford with an outrageous flick pass. What a flick pass that was as he was bundled, being bundled over the sideline before. Do you remember that? Before it was just... The more they showed it on replay, the that is something that got better and better Unbelievable, and better. Right? It was Unbelievable. a brilliant... Brilliant tackle by Jackson Hastings, one-on-one, and Jackson Hastings absolutely crunched Tualangi into touch, and somehow he... He couldn't do it again. He couldn't do it again. No, he hesitated. He didn't even throw it first time. He he faked it, and then I don't even know if he saw the player wasn't there and held it off even more, but it was an incredible play live, and the more you watched it, it, it's one of those plays you fall in love with. It was amazing stuff. Now, the Tigers did hit back through uh, deputant Junior Tupu, who flew high yeah, after his name, namesake yeah. to snare a Jackson Hastings bomb to score the first try of his career. And the Tigers were up 6-4. Um, after Tupu's try, a mistake by Stafford Toa from the kickoff and a high shot by Tyrone Peachy handed the Cowboys a chance to hit straight back. And it was Taolagni finishing off a sweeping left-side raid. Tigers' right edge still looks a problem. A penalty against Ruben Cotter for a dangerous tackle on Tupu gave the Tigers field position. They capitalised through Luke Garner, who slid into the right corner after halves Jackson Hastings and Luke Brooks had combined superbly. The Cowboys then blew the game open with two tries in two minutes, um, right at the end of the first half. The, 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 the first through prolific winger, Kyle Felton, the second through Cotter, who ran 60 metres to grab the first four-pointer of his career. Great try by Cotter. It and was, and he's a prop, man. Sign. He's a prop, and he was quick. Oh, yeah. Ultra quick and quite in the middle. I think he's sort of changed some Mate, of their um, defence in the middle as well. Oh, I think he he's been origin. fantastic he's in for them. Form, right? Um, but the Tigers did lose Luke Brooks at halftime, right, um, to a hamstring problem. And Tawalangi looks to have stretched the Cowboys' lead with a spectacular try in the 46 minute. But replayed showed his boot, boot had grazed the sideline. Um, the second half was all the Cowboys. The Cowboys' flyer needed just four minutes to make amends, scoring from a Chad Townsend grubber to make it 26-12, and Chad Townsend was great. He controlled the game well. In the 58th minute, Tom Dearden then laid on a try for Peter Hiku um, with a darting crossfield run and a pinpoint pass to the centre. Try as they might, the Tigers could not crack the Cowboys' wall, and it was Jeremiah Nanai who had the final say with a flying take from a Dearden bomb for his eighth try of the season. Nanai's try was in the fifth, was the 59th of the weekend across eight games, um, which we got to see quite a few tries, buddy. The Tigers... You know they played okay, uh, and I thought they were they were in in it um, up until thirty five minutes close to half time. Thirty five minutes they were in it. Once those two tries went in just before half time, game over. I think the Cotter try broke their back, and then losing Luke Brooks, I think then that's it. They just finished them off in the second half. We left probably with about you know fifteen minutes to go, but I thought it was very one sided. It was just a matter of how many the Cowboys were going to eventually score because. The, the, the Tigers just didn't quite have enough then. They, they had no punch. They still they were still trying, but um, the game was over. But first half, I thought the, the Tigers did really well. I thought they didn't do too bad, but the, the Cotter try, like I said, really sort of it sort of gave them an insurmountable lead that they couldn't quite claw back. And once Brooks and a few other players got injured, they were done. But watching the Cowboys live, it's very interesting. Um, they play a good style of football. They really football. do. I like I like I like the speed at which they play. Sort of, you got that upper echelon of teams. They're probably the team that then plays the next best football with the best tempo. Um, Drinkwater is you know involved a lot. Tuolangi's really come on, and Cotter through the middle makes a huge difference. And they have different players passing the ball. And Reese Robson from hooker 
does a really good job. And Tom Dearden, constantly attacking. And the pass he gave to Kyle Felt to score, that was very much ad-lib football, where he thought, okay, he's looked up and thought, if I keep on running here, and the pass he gave was fantastic to allow... um, Cole felt to score. So it's great football, and they're always attacking the Cowboys. So they looked really good, and ultimately, I, I thought they're a little bit too strong for the Tigers. The tri- Tigers tried hard, but Not a the Cowboys bit. were too good. Way too good. The Cowboys are a, too, a side that's too good for them. And you wouldn't have necessarily said that last year, right? You would have said, okay. No, no. You've, do- you've done a good job coaching the Titans. I have. I've done a fantastic job. Todd Payton's stunt double. So if they ever need a, a shot, and Todd from distance, Payton's doing a quite... Volkswagen ad, and they need a crash test dummy, you're it. Yes. Yeah. So you know, it kind of looks like him in the, from a distance, but you can't really tell. That'd probably be me. But good win, Cowboys. Good team. Good team. They've come a long way. Wow. They've got the storm this weekend. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. So shall we move on to round eleven? Yes. Yes. Um, okay, first up on Thursday night, it's the Knights versus the Broncos at McDonald Jones Stadium. The Knights are two dollars seventy five outsiders. The Broncos are a dollar forty five favourites and the Knights have six and a half points start. Um, both teams coming off a victory. The Knights got a victory against a very, very poor Bulldogs outfit, and the Broncos looked sensational. On that performance alone, I'm tipping the Broncos, although having said that, the Broncos don't travel traditionally the last couple of years haven't travelled well. Haven't got good results when coming down to New South Wales. I don't think that's going to matter because I think the Knights were were poor and have been pathetic for most of the last month. And even though they've won, that that's the strange thing. Even though they won against the Bulldogs, the Bulldogs were so poor that it sort of showed me the Knights, whether they played down to the opposition, but they weren't very good and the Broncos were sensational and the Broncos are gaining in confidence and Adam Reynolds is settling in more and more. And I, don't, I can't see anyone, I can't see the Broncos losing this game. I, I really can't. Okay. Well, next up on Friday, first up, it's the match of the round contender, the 6 p.m. kickoff. The it t- is. The Tigers versus the Bulldogs. I the won't game t- that no one can get to. How about Leichhardt Oval? Here's, here's the game we're giving you, 6 o'clock kickoff on a Friday <laughs> night. <laughs> we're going back to um, the suburban grounds, Peter Volandis. Well, I'm not going to watch this game because I'd rather stab myself in the eye with a screwdriver, so I expect you to do the match report next week. I actually might be watching this because Mick Potter is probably going to be in charge just to see if they even play differently. So $1.90, each team is $1.90. They're evens, actually. Um, and the Bulldogs have one and a half point start. I just think the Tigers have more spirit than your side, and that is why I'm going to pick the Tigers. I think they do. If Luke Brooks is back, I'm tipping the Tigers. If Luke Brooks is not there, I will probably think about this game and see. I might go the Bulldogs. You're going to tip the because... Bulldogs. You didn't tip them last week. I tipped them... I tipped them in solidarity no, for I you, didn't. and you didn't even tip them. Of course, they were never going to win that game. But I, so, did, I didn't want to support go against your team. But, um, but that's okay. I'm beating you in the tipping competition as a result. Only Thank because, you, only because <laughs> you forgot to put tips in, and you got the away teams, and they got up. I think I think the Tigers will win this game, but the X factor is a new coach. Luke, maybe Luke take Brooks some of the pressure the off side, the players. The Luke Brooks is out. Maybe the Bulldogs might win this because of the, the new coach factor. That's something that I definitely would think about. But it's an even game for me. I think the Tigers will be more spirited. But, you know, things have changed this week. So who knows how the Bulldogs are going to resp- You're gonna tip respond, Bulldogs, to be honest. Brett Naden I think I might, yeah. Yeah, he's playing for the Tigers. Yeah, but he hasn't been picked. Um, He's on the extended bench. It'll probably take him a week or two before he comes yeah, into Yeah, yeah, and this is a tough one for him to come first up right It is, the absolutely. started the, the, the week with. All right, next up, it's yep. the Eels versus Manly at Bankwest, the 8 p.m. Channel 9 game. Eels are $1.39 favourites and Manly $3. Manly have seven and a half points start. Again, based on their both teams lost on Magic Round, based on their performance at 
Magic round, I think the Eels played a lot better than Manly. Manly may have been the worst team I saw, other than the Bulldogs and Knights. I don't think the Manly can beat the Eels. Oh, they were, they were poor. They've got Cooler, who's still adjusting to first grade. It's a big ask. He's adjusting to the centres. He's got some potential, but he's going to have games that are a bit up and down. Um, and Tom Trebojevic still looks injured, and I think they miss that thrust from fullback that Trebojevic provides. The rest of the team were uh, is pretty much the same, and they were blown away. So... And I think the Eels didn't play that bad. I thought they played well. I just thought the Roosters were better, and I think the Eels will continue on this week and beat Manly. So I'm tipping the Eels. I think they'll win this. Okay. I don't know about easily, but I don't know if this is going to be a game where it's going to be in the balance. I think the Eels will be in control for a lot of it. I think the Eels will win. I think it'll be around the 6-8 to eight point mark, though. I think the line's about right on that one. Super Saturday, which actually has three really good games. First up is Saints versus Warriors. Saints are $1.60 favourites. Warriors are $2.35. Warriors have three and a half points start. I'm finding this one a really difficult one to pick. I'm leaning towards Saints because I just don't trust the Warriors. I, I think I'm going to go the same. I'm going to tip the Dragons. I, I think they... I thought the Titans played relatively well to beat them. Both teams, I thought, did okay. And I thought the Warriors only looked like they could win once South totally clocked off and drop their intensity significantly. So I think the Warriors remain... I don't even know if it's a work in progress, but they're an ultra-conservative team in the way they play football. I worry, They've got I exciting worry where players. the Saints have enough points in them. Well, that's the thing. I thought Talatau Amon was quite conservative in the way he played. He didn't challenge the line, whereas last year he looked like the second coming of Benji Marshall to some degree with his footwork. Didn't see much of that on the conditions weekend, but the great. conditions were very poor, yeah. So I'm going to tip Saints... I think, oh, uh, sorry, I just didn't realise that Cody Ramsey's at fullback. Yes. Not a fan of Cody Ramsey at fullback. I still got to tip them, but <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't think he's good at all. Um, the Warriors, I just don't think, play the style of football to win them games. It, it's just, they don't unleash their players. They've got skillful players and they don't use them. I'm tipping the Dragons. All right, you're tipping the Dragons. Um, the next game is an absolute blockbuster given the way the teams are playing. The Cowboys won against the Tigers. The Storm obviously lost to the Panthers. It's the Cowboys versus Storm in North Queensland. Cowboys are $2.60 outsiders. And the Storm are $1.50 favourites. And the Cowboys have six and a half points start. Gee, Jerome Hughes is back, but Ryan Pappenhausen's still out. Was Remus Smith named? He wasn't. And as a result, I am tipping the North Queensland Cowboys. You stole my thunder. Looking at Tyron Wishart at fullback, I think the Storm depend on Pappenheisen's speed and his instinct significantly. And I think Tyron Wishart is a hooker or a utility playing fullback. And I think he's too slow and he impacts the way they attack. And I think the Cowboys are going to be too good for them. And I don't think the Storm are going to score enough points to beat the Cowboys in this game. So I've got the Cowboys as well. I'm tipping the Cowboys for that reason because what I watch, I know they they were dominated by Penrith, but Tyron Wishart was trying to play around the ruck and he just got crunched. He made no ground. It was just too slow. So, and I think, you know, that that removes that threat that Melbourne always has and those half chances where someone makes a break and then Pappy comes out of nowhere through the middle and turns a half break into a try. They don't have that at the moment and I think the Cowboys are playing really good footy and I think they're going to beat them. Ooh, so we're both tipping the Cowboys. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, can you believe it? Yeah. yeah. I can't believe I'm, I'm saying this, but yeah, yes. I think they'll win. Well, so do I. All right, and the game of the round is up at 7.30 on Saturday night at the SCG, 
which we could go to if we wanted to, but I don't think we will. The Roosters are $3.50 outsiders. The Panthers are $1.31 favourites. The Roosters have nine and a half point start. They are at home, but can they stop the Panthers juggernaut? No, I don't think so. I, think so I, I think the Panthers, we've talked about this before, they're, they're, they're not always at 100%, but they play at 85 or 90. I think in this game, I think they came out on fire against the Storm. They wanted to send a message, and I think they'll do the same against the Roosters as well. Because they probably see the Roosters as a little bit of a threat. Oh, but I am expecting a close game. I saw better signs from the Roosters, and I thought that was one of their, their best game all year against Para. And that was a really good thing and a good development for the Roosters. But I think the the Panthers, I don't think are going to lose. I don't think they're going to flog them. I think it's going to be a good game, but Penrith will win. I agree. I'm tipping the Panthers as well. All right, let's move on to the Sunday games. I've got this first one is a really tough one for me to pick. It's 2 p.m. on Sunday. We've we've gotten rid of the late kickoffs on the Sunday post-Magic round. Um, it's Souths versus Raiders at Apex Oval. Do you know where Apex Oval is, G? It's in Dubbo. It is in Dubbo. So this game's being played in Dubbo. Souths are $1.55 favourites. Raiders are $2.45 outsiders, and the Raiders have four and a half points start. Um, if the Souths of the second half shows up, then I think the Raiders can win this. Um, I am tipping Souths, though. Hello, Misty. I am tipping Souths, though, because Souths... Co- and I, do, you want, do you want to know why I'm tipping Souths? Yes, I do. Because Jack Whiten's back. I never thought we'd say this a couple of years ago. I like the move of Zach Wolford to hooker. Great stuff, Bulldogs. You didn't need him a couple of years ago. But um, <laughs> I thought the Raiders played quite well. They did. I agree. But 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 I think South was so good in that first half. I think if South put their foot down for the whole 80 minutes, they could have put 60 on the Warriors. Yes, and I think that's the thing. I I just think they took their foot off the pedal, right? I think I'm going to tip South because I still think if South play well, they're better than the Raiders. But... I wouldn't. I think this is going to be a closer game. I agree. Than I, I think this thought. is actually a really good round of footy. I think we've got a man of the peoples who's come in, Trent Peoples. Well, um, hopefully he's registered. Yeah, I hope so. So uh, he's um. Th- there's a few players out for South, um, but I'm I'm going to tip them. Only, but watch out for the Raiders. The Raiders are on the improve. Souths. There's only one change: Jacob Host with the shoulder injury. Uh, yeah, they miss him. <laughs> Okay, all right. Jacob Host, the host. The host, all right. The host with the most. Last game of the round at Seabus yes. Super Stadium, 4 o'clock kickoff on Sunday on Channel 9. It's the Titans versus the Sharks. The Titans are $3.10 outsiders. The Sharks are $1.37. The Titans have 7.5 points start. Um, it, was a, it was a gritty game against Saints and quite gripping. It was worth, well worth watching. But the Sharks weren't very good. And there's been some signs of weakness in the Sharks the last couple of weeks. How much of it's permanent? I don't know. I'm tipping the Sharks. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, but bloody hell, it wouldn't surprise me if Gold Coast got up. I think how the, the Gold Coast looks so much better with Jaden Campbell Nico and Hines Corey is Thompson. Nico Hines back to halfback, so that's why I'm leaning towards Sharks, and Lachlan Miller comes into fullback. Lockie, I'll be interested to see how Lockie Miller goes at fullback, actually. Uh, that's a watch out for. I'm going to tip the Sharks because I think they will probably take advantage of the weakness of, of the Titans' defence. The weakness. I think of the Lockie Titans Miller will be defense, quite sorry. good. We've got to remember, he, he's a rugby sevens convert. I'm expecting this to be a, a close game be because close. The, I think the Titans look defensively more solid with Campbell and Thompson back there. And tight, uh, I'll tell you, Campbell, for a small bloke, can tackle really well and can break tackles. And he's always involved in the game. There's always He's always about to break the game open. It's not just on Brimson or just on, you know, um, sort of David Fafita, for example, even though he's not in the, the game this week. But I'm tipping the Sharks because I... 
I have a lot of faith in the way they've performed so far this year, but they've hit a, a couple of wobbles the last couple of weeks. That brings us to the close of another GNT show. Thank you for joining us. Normal service will be re- resumed from now on in, aka I will watch the games and the news, and G will provide colour commentary. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And thank Charles you. Charles Barkley, colour commentary. Correct. Are you watching the games, Chuck, and he's falling asleep in the back? Correct. Oh, I've seen you do that live with the Cowboys Titans. Uh, Tigers. Yes. So thank you once again for joining us, and we'll be with you again next week. See you, G. Thank you, T. Have a great night. Talk to you later. Bye.